0: Okay, I'm going to read the uh, very, very center of the Bible. It's the 117th Psalm. It's a little long, so get out your pillow. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. (laughs) <laughs> one, uh, yeah, it's a short. It's the very center of the Bible, and it's also the shortest chapter in the Bible. So there you go. Uh, the longest is Psalm 119, which is very long. We'll be skipping that one unless y'all want to uh, get your pillows out and. Uh, but we read it every Thursday at Bible class, so we get through it a couple times a year anyway. But uh, it's 176 verses, so it's very long. But uh, here we go, Leviticus. 13, verses 18 through 37 are our verses today. This is entitled, The Law of Leprosy, Part 2. So, starting in verse 18, If the body develops a boil in the skin, and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling, or a bright spot, reddish-white, then it shall be shown to the priest. And if the priest sees it, indeed, appears deeper than the skin, and its hair is turned white, The priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore which is broken out of the boil. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in it, then it is not deeper than the skin but is faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. And if it should at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and has not spread, it is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean verse 24. Or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish, white, or white, then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot is turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, it is leprosy broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosore. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it is not deeper than the skin, but has faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it is at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leper sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and is not spread on the skin, but is faded, it is a swelling from the burn. The priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar from the burn. If a man or a woman has a sore on the head or the beard, then the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if it appears deeper than the skin and there is in it thin yellow hair, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scaly leprosy of the head or beard. But if the priest examines the scaly sore, and indeed it does not appear deeper than the skin and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the sore, and indeed, if the scale is not spread, then there is no yellow hair in it, and the scale does not appear deeper than the skin, he shall shave himself, but the scale he shall not shave. And the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall examine the scale, and indeed, if the scale is not spread over the skin and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He shall wash his clothes and be clean." But if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the scale is spread over the skin, the priest need not seek for yellow hair. He is unclean. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill, and there is a black hair grown up in it, the scale has healed. He is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. Okay, I'm going to take you through a few verses in the Old Testament to remind you of our position in Christ And uh, how the law is fulfilled in Christ, which includes these laws that we're looking at right now. And while I'm looking for Colossians chapter 2, I want to tell you that um, I will skip back and forth just to remind you of what we went through last week. But you don't have to uh, go back there or anything. I just want to remind you that some of the things we'll see today are very similar to what we saw Last week So there you go Okay Colossians 2 verse 14 says Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements Meaning the law of Moses That was against us Which was contrary to us He has taken it out of the way Having nailed it to the cross What was nailed to the cross literally Jesus' body. He is the embodiment of the law. All of the symbolism from Exodus shows us that. He embodies the law. His body was nailed to the cross. The law, his body was nailed to the cross. He died. The law died with him. Okay, that's the symbolism that we're given there. In Hebrews chapter 7, we read, For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also a change of the law. For the priesthood being changed... Which Aaron was the high priest, and then it became Christ, the high priest of the new covenant, there is by necessity a change of the law. The law of Moses is out. All right, verse 18, for on the one hand, there is an annulling, annulling means doing away with, completely and entirely. There is an annulling of the former commandment, meaning the law of Moses, because of its weakness and unprofitableness. The author of Hebrews, writing to the Hebrew people, says that the law of Moses was weak and it was unprofitable. All right, and then chapter 8, verse 13, in that he says, a new covenant, speaking of what Christ would initiate in his blood, he has made the first, the old covenant, obsolete. It is done, it is out, it is annulled, it is done. And one more from Hebrews 10, verse 9, he takes away the first, meaning the law of Moses, that he may establish. The second, that is the new covenant in Christ's blood. So once again, we see the truth that the law of Moses is annulled. Everything that we're seeing here was picturing something else anyway. So here we go. I explained to all of you last week that certain physical afflictions made a person unclean under the law. But nothing is said about these things in the New Testament. Nowhere in the New Testament is a person with any of these afflictions barred from attending the church. As I said then, if these things really defiled a person, then there would, in fact, be these same requirements now. Also, if physical defilement was a concern, then it would appear that the Lord cared more about the people of Israel than those of the church, and such is not the case. Even more, certain physical deformities and afflictions precluded a person from ever being in the priesthood. If this type of thing had more than a spiritual meaning, then no person who had those afflictions today would be allowed into the ministry. But the New Testament never speaks of such things. These and many, many other clues tell us that the things that we're looking at have much more than a physical meaning, which was merely intended to keep the camp of Israel pure from disease. Our text verse today comes from 2 Timothy 3. It's verses 16 and 17. All scripture... All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is given by God for us to understand what God wants us to know. Not all Scripture applies in the same way at the same time, though. We need to keep context in our thoughts at all times. What is the context of what is being said? Another point to consider goes far beyond any notion that these leprosy verses are only speaking of purity within the nation for the physical well-being of the people. The word for leprosy covers a multitude of skin diseases. Some will really defile a person who comes in contact with somebody that has that leprosy. Others surely are not as contagious. But there are many other things which are highly contagious and of which the Bible says nothing. Surely the Lord knows all about these things, and yet they're never mentioned in the purity laws of the Torah. If all that he was concerned about was health, why isn't there a law for anyone with the flu to be isolated? What about chickenpox, pneumonia, conjunctivitis, shingles, scarlet fever, impetigo, mumps, ringworm, tonsillitis, bronchitis, or charliitis? These and a host of other contagious diseases are never even glanced at. And yet scholars would say that the leprosy and mold laws are simply given for the health and well-being of the society. As if this were the only few things that could affect it. We overlook the obvious when we overlook the need to determine why the Lord selected these particular things to talk about. When he did, he chose particular words, which would then be transferable into spiritual truths which are found in the New Testament. They are truths which cover doctrine, which is necessary for the spiritual health of the church. This, this is why these things are given. And so let's see if we can figure some of them out again today. It's all to be found in his superior word. And so let's turn to that precious word once again. And may God speak to us through his word today. And may his glorious name ever be praised. I have three thoughts for you today. The first is a boil in the skin. It's verses 18 through 23. Verse 18, if the body develops a boil in the skin and it is healed... The word of God now moves from laws concerning tzaraat, or leprosy, to shechin, or boil, although boil is still noted under the greater law of leprosy. Though this is the first time the boil is mentioned in the book of Leviticus, it is not the first time that it's found in scripture. Going back to the ten plagues of Egypt, we find its source. There in Exodus chapter 9, they are mentioned four times. Thus they are, like leprosy, a striking of God as if a curse. This becomes perfectly evident from Deuteronomy 28. In the curses upon Israel for disobedience, this is one of them. It says there, the Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab and with the itch from which you cannot be healed. Likewise, poor Job was afflicted with boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And finally, King Hezekiah was afflicted with a boil that almost took his life, but it was cured by the application of a poultice of figs. These are the times that boils are mentioned in scripture, and they each reflect a strike of God, either directly, or as in the case of Job, as an allowance by God. The word shechin comes from an unused root, which means to burn, and thus it is an inflammation which produces a boil. The boil, or inflammation, which is described here was, at the time of Christ, defined as having risen from a wound from stone, wood, metal, pitch, or hot water, or so forth. It is being said in contrast to the wound incurred by fire, which is mentioned in verse 24, verse 19. And in the place of the boil, there comes a white swelling, or a bright spot, reddish white. If from this wound one of two things arises, it had to be taken to the priest, the first is a se'et levana, or swelling white. This word for swelling was seen back in verse 2. It comes from the word nasa, which means lifted, or to rise. It indicates a swelling of the flesh. Such a swelling would be spiritually equated with the pride of life. The word lavan or white, comes from Lavan, which means brick. This takes us back to the thought of works, as we have seen many times in the past sermons. The second is the word baharet, or bright spot. It is also the same as in verse 2. As we saw, it comes from the adjective bahir, which means bright. It indicates then a whitish spot which is found on the flesh, or even a glossy pimple. It would indicate that which draws attention to itself, thus, it is the lust of the eyes. This bright spot is then further identified as levana adamdamet, or reddish white. The word adam-dam is used here for the first of only six times, and all of them will be in chapters 13 and 14. It is simply a reduplication of the word adam, or red, thus it gives the sense of something reddish. The use of the word Adom is explained by Isaiah with these words. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In picture, we are being shown an example of works which have the appearance of being sinful. In order to determine if this is infectious or not, further action is needed. Verse 19 going on. Then it shall be shown to the priest. The priest will determine if the boil is unclean or if it requires further observance. As the high priest is the one who mediates for the people, he is typical of Christ who determines whether our deeds are acceptable or unacceptable, clean or unclean. However, the lower priests were given authority to make these declarations as well concerning what is clean and what is unclean. Therefore, these pronouncements, which we have seen and will continue to see, explain Jesus' words of Matthew 16, verse 19. There he said this to the apostles, And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In this statement, the keys are referring to a true knowledge of doctrine, Just as a priest could look at a wound, and with the word of the law to guide him, he could make a determination of distinguishing between what is clean and what is unclean. So could Jesus' disciples also make similar determinations? This then follows through logically with the church age as well. We have the word of God, and we are to use it in a priestly manner by inspecting what is sound doctrine and what is unsound, what consists of good works and what sinful works look like and so on. Adam Clark explains it with the following words. He says, The priest polluted or cleansed. In other words, he declared the man clean or unclean according to signs well-known and infallible. Those signs, I'm giving my comment before I go on with Adam Clark's words, those signs are recorded in the law. He is to trust in what the word says in order to make his determination. The disciples or ministers of Christ bind or loose declare to be fit or unfit for church fellowship according to unequivocal evidences of innocence or guilt. In the former case, the priest declared the person fit or unfit for civil society. In the latter, the ministers of Christ declare the person against whom suspicion of guilt is laid fit or unfit for continued association with the church of God. The office was the same in both, a declaration of the truth, not from any power that they possessed of cleansing or polluting, of binding or of loosing, but the knowledge they gained from the infallible signs and evidences produced on the respective cases. What appears to be a passage about infectious diseases, which it is in literal history, is actually more fully and completely about discerning the word of God and applying its precepts properly in spiritual matters. Whether it is Israel of old inspecting a boil on an arm or the church of today looking at a person's conduct, both are gauged by what has already been given in the word of God. That's what we must hold to. Verse 20, and if when the priest sees it, it appears deeper than the skin and its hair is turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosy which is broken out in the boil. This verse is a close repeat of verse 3. But instead of the word amok, or deeper, of verse 3, this verse includes a new word, shafal, here translated as deeper. It gives the sense of abased, lowered, or humbled. This verse, being similar to verse 3, carries much of the same meaning as it did there. This is an infection which is of the flesh and which is displayed in unclean works. There is a turning or a perversion of what should exist. But as we saw, the type of wound is derived from the sense of inflammation or burning, and the result of that is being abased. This in type is picturing that of sexual sin. It is what Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 1. He says this, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Unfortunately, in much of the church today, such infections are not called out as unclean, but are rather hailed as right and proper. There is no adherence to the word of God and there is no discernment by those who should be making judgments according to that same word. We saw it today in the Prophecy Update. People condoning homosexuality and saying we're going to start marrying people in the church. This cannot be condoned and this is what's being pictured in this particular boil of the skin. Verse 21, but if the priest examines it and indeed there are no white hairs in it and it is not deeper than the skin but is faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. This verse corresponds very closely to verse 4. If an evaluation by the priest indicates that the bright spot is, at this time, not seemingly leprous because it lacks the two identifying marks, then the person is to be shut up in a state of isolation for seven days. The same word used in verse 4, sagar, is used again here. It is the shutting up of something. It can be for protecting someone against harm, and it can also be used to bring someone harm. Seven is the number of spiritual perfection. An evaluation of the flesh is to be remade after this said interval. In picture, it is given to show that we are not to be hasty in rendering a judgment which could be incorrect. We are being asked to consider a spiritual state of others by these Old Testament physical examples. Verse 22, and if it should at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leper sore. The Hebrew says, And if spreading, it spreads. This spreading of the infection is, in type and picture, an indication of a confirmation of sexual immorality within the church. In such a case, the book of 1 Corinthians explains what the judgment is to be. Here's what it says from Paul's hand. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet, I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of the world or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. And here's the answer. Therefore, put away from yourself the evil person. The pronouncement is made unclean. You are out of fellowship. The person has and he is a leprous sore. Verse 23. But if the bright spot stays in one place and is not spread, it is the scar of the boil. And the priest shall pronounce him clean. The word says, and if in its place stands the bright spot. To stand is to remain fixed and firm. One stands against the forces of evil. One stands firm in doctrine. One stands soundly on the word of God. There was the basis for wrongdoing, but the symptoms have not taken hold of the person. This verse can be described by the sentiment, nothing to see here. Move along. There may have been a transgression which was considered a wound on the body, the church. It was inspected and thankfully it has not spread. It was monitored and no error is seen. The word tsarabet, translated as scar of the boil, is found only three times in the entire Bible. The second will be in verse 28, and the last will be in Proverbs 16, verse 27. Here's what it says. An ungodly man digs up evil, and it is on his lips like a burning fire. It comes from the word sarav, which means to burn. Thus one can see that there was a burning as if in a passion, but the passion was quenched. The church therefore determines that there is nothing to see in this matter. The declaration is clean. This is talking about an actual incident of sexual immorality within the church. Somebody did something, he's repented of it, the wound is stopped, and he's allowed to stay in the fellowship. And that's exactly what Paul describes elsewhere in the New Testament. I have transgressed and not done what is right. A wound stands as a testimony to my sinful act. But I will not let it take me over. Against it I will fight. I will stand on God's word, and that is a fact. The burning took hold of me, and I failed my Lord. But there is a fountain of cleansing if I turn again to him. This is what is said in his marvelous word. And in that precious pool of life, from now on, I will swim. Thank you, O God, for second chances in Christ. Thank you that you have cleansed us through the blood of Jesus. For us was the Lamb of God sacrificed, God has done such a marvelous thing for us. Our second thought today is a burn on the skin by fire. It's verses 24 through 28. Verse 24, or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire. Now a new type of wound will be detailed. This is from a new word in scripture, mikvah. It will be seen five times through verse 28, and then it will not be seen again. Be sure to enjoy it while it lasts. (laughs) Mikvah comes from kava, scorched or seared. Both times kava is used, it is speaking of walking on fire or coals. Let me read you both instances. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife, whoever touches her shall not be innocent. And then the other one is from Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. And so in this verse, we have a burning in the flesh, which is the result of fire. If this occurs, then an evaluation needs to be made upon the coming of any infection. Verse 24 going on, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish white or white. This is similar to what was said in verse 19, but it also includes a word which was seen last week in verse 10. Mikhya, described by scholars as proud flesh. The Hebrew says, or proud flesh that burns. Again, like before, if from this wound comes a baharet, levana, adam, damet, o levana, which is in English a bright spot, reddish white or white, then it requires further investigation. As we have seen, this then would indicate sinful works which draw attention to themselves. Verse 25, then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot is turned white, and it appears deeper than the skin. The symbolism continues to be the same as before, but the word deeper here is not the same as verse 18. Rather, it is the same as the word omok back in verses 3 and 4. It is deeper in a comparative sense, and it indicates a deep thing or even something mysterious. This type of infection, then, is that which is described by Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here's what he says. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Think of that verse right there and think of all the people that have imposed dietary restrictions on their people. The Catholic Church, don't eat this certain food at this time of the year. Messianic, or not all Messianic Jews, but the Hebrew Roots Movement in particular. You can't eat pork. You can't do this and you can't do that. This is what's being spoken of right here. He goes on, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Here we have being described the mysterious doctrine of demons which sear the conscience of those who teach them and who follow them. They are self-serving works which are identified by the outwardly pious attitude but which reflect only inner corruption because they reject the work of Jesus Christ and they depend on self to obtain merit. Because of such deeds we see that verse 25 continues it is leprosy broken out in the burn therefore the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a sore. The description for this leprosy goes back to a word used in verse 12, harach. It indicates that which flourishes or blossoms. Thus, it is a blossoming leprosy. The attitude of those described by Paul to Timothy perfectly reflects this sentiment. Their wound is one that multiplies and blossoms forth. The pronouncement for them is unclean. They have and they are the plague of leprosy. Verse 26. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it is not deeper than the skin, but is faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. However, in the evaluation of the priest, if the bright spot doesn't have white hairs, indicating sinful works, and it is not deeper than the skin, indicating proud flesh, then more is required. Interestingly, the word for deeper here goes back to the same word that was used in verse 18. It is shafal, not amok. And so it isn't just not of depth, it isn't even abased. The skin is not lowered at all, and instead it is faded. This fading is the word kehei from verse 6. It means to darken. The brightness of the wound has diminished. Should these things be the case, then he shall be isolated seven days. Verse 27, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it has at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean, it is a sore. Seven is the number of spiritual perfection. Seven days, then, is reflective of the proper time to spiritually discern this condition. In the examination, the same condition as was seen in verses 7 and 22 is used here, in spreading, it has spread. In this, the person has been burned by the doctrine of demons, and the infection is spread all over him. His doctrine is leprous, and he is a leper. He is unclean. But thank goodness, not everyone who is so tainted remains that way. Verse 28, but if the bright spot stays in one place, and is not spread on the skin, but is faded, it is a swelling from the burn, the priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar from the burn. Again, the word amad or stand, is used. There may have been the introduction of crummy doctrine, but if the infection was caught and the individual stands against it so that it doesn't spread, but rather dims, then the person is to be pronounced clean from their burn. As promised earlier, the word mikvah or burn is now used for the very last time in scripture. You can wave farewell to it. Time and again, we are seeing pictures of doctrine and how to handle it. We are to keep From bad doctrine we are to stay away from those who would infect us with it and we are to stand on the truth of the word of god however there is the truth that the person who has the affliction has no idea if it's unclean or not they have to go to the priest to have it identified the sad thing is that the infection normally comes from the priest that they go to for the examination In other words, if a person gets crummy doctrine at the Church of Apostasy under Pastor Heretic and he is told he has an infection by a friend, if he goes back to Pastor Heretic to examine him, he's going to be told that he's clean. This is why knowing the Bible is so hugely important and why it is so, so frustrating to see people trust that leaders that are making bad judgments who are already as unclean as any festering, leprous boil imaginable. I tell you, it is maddening the number of emails I get from week to week to week from people that send this nonsense doctrine to me and they say, you're wrong on this because and it's some crazy thing that they were told at a church, including homosexuality and every other type of perversion you can imagine. I get tons of them. It is literally maddening. There are times where I go to bed and I turn all night long, stewing over the fact that these people have been so deceived that Satan has robbed their soul right out of them. They're building diving boards to hell instead of trusting in the word of God. It is maddening. Oh God, open our eyes to the truth of your word. There are countless views on what is wrong and what is right. Lead us in the correct path as is expected by the Lord. Keep us from bad doctrine, that terrible plight. Should we stray, lead us back to you by your spirit. Keep us from works which will never truly satisfy. Help us to stand on the work of Jesus. He, our sure merit. Yes, keep us, O oh Lord, from ever going awry. And Lord, for those whose doctrines are evil, keep us from them. Lead us to sound and proper teachers. May we never be seduced by the lies of the devil. Yes, keep us, O Lord, from nutty, heretical preachers. Our third thought today is a sore on the head or beard. Verses 29 through 37. Verse 29. If a man or a woman has a sore on the head or the beard, the wording here is correctly translated, the head or the beard. However, it indicates the place of the beard, not just the beard itself. Thus, it is the chin. One might think that a sore on the head or chin would normally be the same type of thing that would affect anywhere else on the body. And so why would there be a distinction between the two? It is, again, to give us spiritual pictures of other things. What is fun to me is that the word zakan or beard is now introduced into the Bible. Although only speculation, it's pretty certain to me that all of the great men of God since creation itself, until the time of Moses, had beards, and most of them since then have as well. The zakan, despite being so magnificent a display of manliness, is actually only seen 19 times in the Bible. It comes from the verb zakin, which is to be or become old, and so it can be translated as old man. Let's leave comments on that one alone for now, okay? Verse 30, then the priest shall examine the sore, and indeed, if it appears deeper than the skin, and there is in it thin yellow hair, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. Once again, an inspection is needed. In this case, the word amok is used once again. It is a deep sore. In addition to that, it has a hair described with a new word, tzahov, which is yellowish. This will only be seen three times through verse 36, and then it is biblical history. It comes from tzahev, an even rarer word, which is translated as shiny. In Ezra chapter 8 is its only use. It describes shiny bronze as precious as gold. It thus signifies that which is gleaming and golden in color. The word thin is dak. It comes from the word dakak, which indicates being pulverized or crushed. Thus, this is something small or thin. If such a deep sore with thin, shiny, yellowish, or golden hair is in it, that fellow is unclean. His head or chin is leprous, and he is a leper. Verse 30 continues, It is a scaly leprosy of the head or beard. The word scaly is new. It's nethek. It's going to be seen 14 times in chapters 13 and 14, and then it too will be gone. It comes from nathak, which indicates breaking off, plucking away, or rooting out. Thus, it is a scale that can be pulled away. Verse 31, But if the priest examines the scaly sore, and indeed it does not appear deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale seven days. Again, a period of seven days is used to determine if what has arisen to the site is something contagious and unclean, or if it is something which just looks bad but has no uncleanness in and of itself. The requirements are, one, it does not appear deeper than the skin. The word is amok, and it indicates that which is deep. And two, there is no black hair in it. Surprisingly, the word black, or shachor, is new to scripture. For such a common adjective, one would think that it would have been used a jillion times by now. But no, even more surprising is that it's going to be used just six times in the Bible. Other words do indicate black, but the specific adjective used here is rather rare. It comes from a root which is identical to shachar, which means to seek, and which then comes from the dawning of the morning. It is jet black. The scholar Kyle, who's a very, very noted scholar and somebody I rely on quite often, sees a problem with this verse. He says that there's an error in the text. The verse says no black hair, but verse 37 will say that there is a black hair. And so he states that this verse either needs to drop the word no or change black to yellow. Some other scholars appear to agree with him. But this is incorrect. A black hair would indicate that things were okay at this point. Verse 37 indicates that the black hair had grown into it. This is the purpose of isolating the person. It would give time for things to either degrade or progress enough so that a final determination could be made the two weeks of isolation would allow time for a black hair to become well evident. If there was already black hair in it, then there would be no need to isolate the person at this time. Verse 32, And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the sore, and indeed, if the scale is not spread, and there is no yellow hair in it, and the scale does not appear deeper than the skin, on the seventh day, three things are to be looked for. One, no spreading of the scale. Two, no yellowish hair. And three, the scale isn't deeper than the skin. If these three are the case, then, verse 33, he shall shave himself. But the scale he shall not shave. By shaving, he will clear out any chance of the surrounding hair interfering with a proper evaluation or irritating the scale. Only the area of the scale is not shaved. This, then, is to see if the scale grows outward. And it will allow the hairs in the scale to grow at the same time as the non-scale areas so that they can be compared. And finally, in not shaving the scale itself, it won't become inflamed and give a false reading if it wasn't leprosy in the first place. Verse 33 continues, and the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another seven days. Seven days are again appointed. By this time, the hair will grow out of the area, or no hair will grow out of it, but it will remain unchanged. Either the hair or the appearance will make the determination possible. Verse 34, On the seventh day the priest shall examine the scale, and indeed if the scale is not spread over the skin, and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. He shall wash his clothes and be clean. Only two things are needed for a declaration of being clean. The first is no spreading of the scale, and the second is not being deeper than the skin. If both of these are true, then he is to be declared clean. After the declaration, he was then to do the same thing as he was instructed way back in verse 6, wash his clothes. It is a ceremonial act. He was detained 14 days on suspicion and was thus considered tainted by ceremonial pollution. Plus, one's clothes would need to be washed after 14 days, or things could go from bad to worse. After washing his clothes, he will be considered clean. Keep thinking of the church. It's all going to come out in a second. Verse 35, but if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing. Unlike verse 7 from last week, which was somewhat ambiguous, there is no doubt that this is speaking of happening after he has been declared clean and washed his clothes. What will next be described is after this point, verse 36, then the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the scale is spread over the skin, the priest need not seek for yellow hair. He is unclean. This is for a sore on the head. Other sores were seen to have spread, and yet it didn't necessarily mean that there was uncleanness involved. But for a sore on the head, even without a secondary evidence, the person was to be declared unclean. A spreading of this scaly leprosy on the head is sufficient. Verse 37. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill, and there is black hair grown up in it, the scale is healed. He is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. This verse at first seems superfluous. If it takes us back to verse 34, and the examination after the second week of isolation, then he's already been declared clean because of what was said there. However, if it follows logically after the previous verse... Then he's been declared unclean because it had spread since he was declared clean. But what appears to be the reason for this verse is to show that it is the word of God as given to the priests, which determines what makes a person clean or unclean. The priest is to give his rendering based on that and on nothing else. With this final section, we see a leprosy somewhat different than the others. First, it is the first time that it involves a woman. The other simply said man, person, or body. But this one specifies a woman. Secondly, it is a specific part of the body in that it affects the head or the beard. For head, the word is rosh. It carries many meanings. It's the first word in the Bible, beroshit, in the beginning. It means first, leader, ruler, top, and on and on. Here it is the head, which is the seat of knowledge and biblically the symbol of authority or preeminence. The beard is specifically a sign of manhood, and even more, a man of years, and thus supposed discretion. In such a man, prudence and wisdom are what one would expect. However, there is now a sore upon the head of such a person, male or female. It is deep, implied by the use of the word amok, four times in these few verses, The next time the word is going to be used won't be until Job chapter 11. We'll be at that at 2717 when comparing the deep things of God in Job 11. They are higher than the heaven and deeper than hell, according to the passage. After that, it will be used in Proverbs to speak of an adulteress as being a deep pit. Everything about this passage now is speaking of what is presented to the church of Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2. Let me read it to you. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These things says, The Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden. The sore upon the head is symbolic of the sore upon the leader of the congregation, here termed the angel of the church at Thyatira. The sore, rather than of wisdom and prudence, is a cancer which has infected the head. It is deep, and it has sear sahov dag, thin yellow hair. The word used to describe the hair as being compared to the feet of fine brass of Christ. It is that most unusual word concerning gleam, as if gold, and which came from the word used to describe the fine bronze of Ezra's time, and which was as valuable as gold. The fine brass used to describe Jesus' feet is another very rare word in scripture, chalkhobanen, which carries the same meaning. Bronze or brass signifies judgment. Christ's feet are the seat of his judgment. This person has judgment in the sore of the head or the beard. It is a thin, weak judgment, as the word implies. The plague is Jezebel, who is described just as the adulteress of Proverbs. She is a deep infection, and her doctrines are perverse. In fact, the Lord describes her doctrines as the depths of Satan. It is a perfect contrast to the wisdom of the Lord, which was described by Job, higher than the heaven and deeper than hell. The Lord says that he will cast her into a bed, along with those who commit adultery with her, into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. This is the picture that we're seeing here. In this, identified with thin yellow hair, there is an immediate pronunciation of being unclean. It is why the woman is specified for the first time. No woman is to be in such a position of authority in the church according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and 1 Timothy chapter 2. There is no need to look for any further sign. It is plague, it is unclean. However, If there is a sore on the head which cannot be properly identified as wholly unclean and there is no black hair in it, then the person is to be isolated. The black hair would indicate seeking proper doctrine, as the root of the word implies, to seek. But because that is not evident, there is a period of evaluation, just as it was from verses 4 through 6 of last week. If after a first evaluation there was no sign of further corruption, then the evaluation is conducted for another seven days, at which time a verdict is to be rendered. If the plague is not spread, the infection is ended and the person is proclaimed clean. But if the bad doctrine returns at any time after he is pronounced clean, there is no need to look for any further telltale signs. He is unclean and he is to be expelled. The final verse Verse 37 is given as a support for the leader who has corrected his error. It says, if the scale is at a standstill and he has a black hair grown up in it, he is healed. The standing still of the scale signifies that bad doctrine is no longer being spread and the black hair signifies right doctrine is being sought out. What is obvious in these verses is that the truth of the matter and not the determination of the priest is what shows a person to be clean or not. If the priest pronounced a person clean who was unclean, or if he pronounced an unclean person clean, it doesn't negate the truth of the matter in relation to the word of God. Ultimately, it is the word which determines what is clean. The judgment of the priest must be in accord with it, or it is null and void. This is what is seen here. Just because a church ordains a person, it does not mean that they are suitable to be ordained. Likewise, just because someone claims that a leader is not suitable for the ministry, it does not mean that he isn't. Instead, the qualifications are already laid out in the Word of God. This is what is seen concerning a sore upon the head of a person in this otherwise very difficult to understand set of verses from Leviticus. As you can see, there is a surface meaning to what is given in the Bible, but there is also something that is being pictured for us to consider. As I said earlier, there are many other things which can bring about infections of one sort or another in society, and the Lord knows all of them. But he chose these things, which are detailed in Leviticus, to teach us spiritual truths as well. And the greatest spiritual truth of all is that we need Jesus. It is he who is on prominent display here. He is the one who ultimately determines if we are clean or if we are unclean, and if that condition is temporal or eternal. Let us be sure to come to him for full purification so that we will not be condemned on that great day and also so that we will be pleasing to him even now if we are already saved by him. And if you're not saved, if you've never called on Jesus, let me very quickly tell you what you can do to be saved. It's by calling out to him and saying, I am unclean, pictured by all of these things here. I have sin in my life. No matter what type of sin, there is something that identifies it in the Bible. Thou shalt not martyr. Thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that. But the Lord is focusing on certain sins within the church right now for us to understand. But any sin will separate us from God. Any sin at all. The wages of sin after that is death. We receive death because we have sinned against an infinitely holy God. But the Bible goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We get eternal life by calling on him. It is a one-time thing, it never needs to be repeated, and it can never be lost. But if a pastor is in a church and he commits sexual sin, you've got the picture here, he can be forgiven, but if it comes back a second time, he is out. And the same thing with people that commit sexual sin within the church. They must repent of it or be out of the fellowship of the church. But the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and what do you need to do? I'm a sinner, I want Jesus. If you call on the name of the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is what God would ask of you is to simply call out to Jesus in faith. And from there, you are saved forever and forever. All right? I have a closing verse for you today from uh, Revelation chapter 2 once again from the same passage we just read. But hold fast to what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I have also received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's the word of the Lord, and we are to rely on the word of the Lord, and only that, for our doctrine, for our evaluation of others, and like I said, if you're going to a person to be evaluated, and he's the one that gave you the bad doctrine in the first place, you're going right back to the devil's lair, right? Don't do that. Instead, go to the word, or go to a person that's properly handling the word, and ask them, is this correct? Is this doctrine that I'm being taught in this church correct? And that is where you get it, is directly from the Word of God. Next week is Leviticus 13, 38 through 59. We're going to get the whole rest of the chapter done. More interesting things for us to seek out and see. It's entitled The Law of Leprosy, Part 3. Part 3. That'll be our 21st Leviticus sermon. And I'll tell you this the Lord has you exactly where He wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. Even if you have a lifetime of sin heaped up behind you, He can wash it away and He can purify you completely. And holy. So follow him and trust him and he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Okay. And that's not Joel Olstein Marvelous things. Okay. He's not going to give you a Maserati next week and he's not going to give you a week without any troubles or trials. Those of us who are married here, we all have troubles with our spouses, right? And every one of us, well, maybe not, but yeah, at least you're not going to admit, but you know, we have children and they give us grief. And we have jobs and our bosses give us grief. You know, we go to the doctor and we get a a little thing on our ear and we find out we've got skin cancer and your ear's got to be taken off. This is what the Bible tells us comes. We're to expect troubles in this world. But despite those things, he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Spiritual things, good spiritual things for you, for those around you, and for your eternal future. That's what I'm talking about when I say that every week. Now, before I give you our poem of the day, I want to tell you that I started typing Leviticus 16 Monday. That means it'll be about nine more weeks before we actually get to it. It's the Day of Atonement. It is marvelous. I want to tell you that right now. The first 10 verses, I spent... Uh, let's see, 4 a.m., I spent about um, 14 plus hours. Hedico got home at 6 o'clock and I was still working on Monday and then I worked two or three more hours the next day and another two or three the next day after that and one night I actually lay in bed until 2.55 in the morning trying to resolve something. I resolved it and at 2.55 I went to bed. I got up at 4 o'clock. So I want you to know this is a really marvelous passage with some real, real deep, spiritual truths in it. It is, it is marvelous. What If you get the time, I mean, it's up to you if you have time for this or not, but if you get the time, read Leviticus 16 every single day until we do that sermon and it'll make much more sense to you. I've been doing it every day since I started. Every night after doing my Bible reading, I read Leviticus 16. Marvelous, marvelous passage of scripture, okay? Our poem today is called The Law of Leprosy. If the body develops a boil in the skin and it is healed, and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling, or a bright spot reddish-white, then it shall be shown to the priest for his decision-telling. And if, when the priest sees it, it indeed appears deeper than the skin, and its hair is turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. Shoot! Leprosy again! It is a sore which is broken out of the boil, something that will make everyone else recoil. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in it, not in this phase, then it is not deeper than the skin, but is faded, then the priest shall isolate him seven days. And if it should at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a sore. That is what this does mean. But if the bright spot stays in one place and is not spread, it is the scar of the boil, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. From him, nobody will need to recoil. Or if the body receives a burn on its skin by fire, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish-white or white, as if on a white-wall tire... Then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot is turned white, and it appears deeper than the skin, it is leprosy broken out in that burn. It is a leprous sight. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosore. This is what that spot does mean. But if the priest examines it, and indeed, there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it is not deeper than the skin, but is faded a little bit or even a lot, then the priest shall isolate him seven days, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day for sure. If it is at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and is not spread on the skin, but is faded, so we do learn, it is a swelling from the burn that is seen. The priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is the scar from the burn. If a man or a woman has a sore on the head or the beard, then the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if it appears deeper than the skin, and there is in it thin yellow hair, not like before, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scaly leprosy of the head or beard. This is what it does mean. But if the priest examines the scaly sore, and indeed it does not appear deeper than the skin, such are its ways. And there is no black hair in it. Then the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if the scale is not spread, it stayed where it has been. And there is no yellow hair in it. And the scale does not appear deeper than the skin. He shall shave himself, but the scale he shall not shave. Yes, he shall follow in these ways. And the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another seven days. And on the seventh day, the priest shall examine the scale. And indeed, if the scale is not spread over the skin and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. This battle he did win. He shall wash his clothes and be clean in response to what the priest has seen. But if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him to see what can be seen. And indeed, if the scale is spread over the skin, the priest need not look for yellow hair. He is unclean. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill, and there is black hair grown up in it, the scale is healed, he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean, so I do submit. Lord God, by your goodness alone, we are reconciled to you. You sent Jesus to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and so help us to trust in him alone. Yes, through and through, our deeds can't satisfy, and they leave us in more of a mess. But what Christ has done is fully sufficient to save. In him, we are cleansed and made pure in your sight. Help us to live by faith alone. This is how we are to behave, and through him all things are made perfect and right. Thank you, O God, for Christ Jesus our Lord, and for what we know of him through your superior word. Hallelujah and amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, each one of us is unclean in one way or another. We came to you, and we were lepers. We were in desperate need of cleansing, and you, by your goodness and your mercy, reached out your hand, and you healed us. And we are clean because of that. And I thank you so much for that. Help us to remain in this condition and not fall into the sins which Paul details so carefully in the New Testament. Things which only cause us to lose our joy, our happiness, our family relations, our friends, and even our fellowship in the congregation. Help us to stay away from these things and to just stand firm on your word. And when things are difficult and when we're frustrated, help us to return to that fountain of cleansing and that well that we can drink from, seeking you out, searching you out, looking for you on every page. Lead us to the Psalms, which will lead us to a higher place, and lead us to the New Testament epistles, which will teach us how to properly get those things straightened out. Help us to hunger for this word, Lord. This is our one life, and you have given us this one chance to determine all of our future rewards for eternity. How sad that we would throw that away. Help us to focus on you, to trust in you, and to glorify you alone through our lives. We pray this, that you will be exalted and glorified. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.